Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions Magazine. There are many initiatives demanding the attention of EHS managers these days, but two things are near the top of every safety professional's priority list in today's work environment. One, improving organizational safety culture, and two, leveraging appropriate metrics and data to improve safety performance. What some of these professionals may not fully realize, however, is that the two can overlap. And while you can take steps to measure your company's safety culture, you have to strategize your approach in a different way than you would while analyzing your other workplace safety metrics. You may feel like you don't know exactly where to begin, but we have an expert here today with some fantastic ideas to help get you started. Joining us for today's episode is Chuck Pettinger, PhD, Process Improvement Leader at Predictive Solutions, a fully owned subsidiary of Industrial Scientific Corporation. Chuck has over 30 years of experience influencing safety cultures around the world with his extensive work in predictive analytics and cultural change methodologies. And he has twice been named one of the top 50 thought leaders for today and tomorrow by ISHN Magazine. By using big data to predict where future incidents will occur, Chuck continues uncovering leading indicators with the goal of helping safety professionals eliminate death on the job in this century. Chuck will also be a speaker at the EHS Daily Advisor's upcoming Safety Culture 2019 event, taking place September 18th through 20th in Denver, Colorado, where he will be presenting his educational session, Measuring Safety Culture, Identifying and Leveraging Leading Indicators to Track and Improve Performance. So Chuck, thanks so much for being with us today on EHS on Tap. Great. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Great. So. My first question for you is, you've been around the world helping safety cultures evolve at so many organizations. What are some of the big challenges that you're seeing, and uh, what's helping safety cultural efforts succeed? Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent question. You know, there are a lot of challenges that are universal. I've been to a lot of different countries um, working on, you know, improving culture in, in Asia and Africa, Australia. But what's really interesting is that they all have similar challenges. Mm. So some of the biggest challenges that I often see is that, one, they're not measured often enough, meaning an organization typically gives a, a safety culture assessment once a year, once every other year, and that's just really not enough of a sampling to get an ongoing feeling of how your culture is, is proceeding. Mm. Now, what, what are some people doing to really make sure that those succeed? Well, one of the biggest things that I've seen is that there's a little follow-up. Um, sometimes people put out these safety culture assessments and, and nobody ever tells the employees how they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, or they have no follow-up to address any of the concerns or gaps that have been identified during the safety culture assessment. So they really miss a huge opportunity and a window so again, what's helping them succeed is really acting on the results of the survey and at the very minimum, making sure that you communicate the results to the people that you are surveying. Mm. It makes sense, but for a lot of people, it doesn't happen. Right. So safety culture and, well, organizational culture in general, really, 
is considered by many to be a, a subjective concept, something you can't really objectively measure, you know, a, uh, a we can't define it, but we know it when we see it kind of thing. So can you explain uh, this perception and how do you go about changing this mindset and demonstrating to safety professionals and managers that they can use metrics to effectively measure safety culture? Oh, you know, that's, that is another great question. It's, it's kind of an academic question, so I may go mm. on a little academic tangent. Okay. But really, the reason why people say it's a subjective comment is because culture in general is really a, a schema, and it's not something that you can poke a finger in and measure. Mm. Um, and what, what people will say is that what organizations are really referring to when they say safety culture is really safety climate. Oh. So if you were to survey some of the academic journals for safety climate, um, you'd find a lot more hits. Mm. You know, there's a lot of uh, the Zohar safety climate index has been researched and studied. So there's a lot of scientific research on safety climate. Culture, on the other hand, um, is more of a marketing term because everyone understands, you know, organizational culture and it sounds good. We want to save your culture. Mm -hmm. uh, or change your culture. But climate, you know, it gets confusing when you talk about climate organization because they think, well, you know, it's 85 degrees outside and that's a pretty hot climate. <laughs> and that's kind of not what we're talking about. Right. right? So when people talk about uh, safety climate, uh, really it's measuring how the organization is feeling at that particular time. Culture refers to a more broad spectrum type of feeling of the organization. Mm. So for example, you might be able to impact the climate. For instance, if you know our managers gave us all five thousand dollar bonuses, that would impact the climate of the organization. We'd all feel happy. That's great. Yep. But it may not really impact the culture of mm. the organization. Now, mm. if we got five thousand dollar raises all the time, maybe it would impact the culture. But you know that that is not how it works. So culture is more long term, uh, broad scope, climate is more what's going on today. Mm. However, when people talk about safety culture, it's really, that's kind of what people refer to it. So that's where the, the subjective concept comes into. Mm -hmm. And really what it is, is measuring uh, people's perceptions of the climate. Mm. So if they are perceptions, then it is somewhat reality. So really, it's, it has to do with culture in general being a a construct and constructs are very difficult to measure mm. you know those are kind of the academic thing but really how do you go about changing this mindset because people say well you're not really measuring culture you're measuring climate just because it's people's perceptions doesn't minimize how it impacts the organization mm. so even though you may be taking a safety culture perception survey it still is measuring their perceptions and to employees those perceptions are their reality so nonetheless, uh, it is very important that we measure these and get a feeling of what parts of the organization are struggling so that we can address it before the culture uh, becomes worse for time. So uh, we were talking about surveys there for a minute, and it seems like uh, employee surveys are a key tool in evaluating organizational safety culture. So what are the advantages and also maybe some of the limitations of these surveys and how can safety managers implement and analyze them properly? Sure. Um, 
I think employee surveys probably are the number one ways that people go about trying to get at organizational culture. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of limitations. One, like I mentioned earlier, they get measured once a year, once every other year, so it's really not a good representation of the organization across the whole uh, year. Um, another limitation is some people may not be very good at responding to surveys. Mm. Either they can't read, uh, attention span, or they just are um, disengaged and they really don't want to respond. Or they have an agenda and they really want to get back at their supervisor. Right. So there are all sorts of sampling problems. You know, if you undersample department, for example, uh, it may disproportionately say, well, these guys are really grumpy over here and these guys are really happy, but when in reality, you only surveyed the grumpy and happy people and you don't survey everybody. Right, so right. if you are going to survey employees, you want to make sure that you get a good representative sample. Mm. Um, and again, if they're small uh, parts of the organization, maybe like the QA departments, you know, or the maintenance department that may have a dozen or so people, you want to make sure that you know, you get a good representation from those. Mm. Now, again, so the advantages, well, it's easy. You can create your own survey, and, you know, there's a, a lot of survey tools on the Internet that are for free that give you some analytics. Mm -hmm. So they're very reasonable. On the other hand, there's not a lot of takeaways. There's not a lot of comparative data. Mm. So if you choose a consultant that has a, a in-house survey, they probably have years and years of respondents that they can say, well, here's how you compare to the norm. Here's how you compare to other industries. Um, here's some of the gaps that we see. But even those stock surveys can be an issue because if they're not really related to what your organization is doing, uh, it may not tap into your culture. Mm. So in other words, the lack of customization is really kind of a, a limitation to a lot of these stock uh, perception surveys. And again, like I mentioned earlier, there's not a lot of research out there on the stock surveys from consultants. There's some good ones out there in academic realm, but uh, you know, sometimes these stock surveys are more of a tool to to market their other services. Uh, uh -huh. So they may identify gaps that said, all right, you know what you need is you really need me to come in and spend a few million dollars to make your company better. <laughs> right. Um, so that's necessarily not terrible because there's a lot of good consultants out there. However, if you are a small company, you may not be able to afford one of these large perception surveys. But I fully believe that even the smallest companies can create their own, use a free online survey tool, and get a pretty good measure. Mm-hmm. Now, as opposed to just doing uh, surveys, what I like to do is always follow up surveys with interviews. So if I do survey an organization, I want to go in and make sure that I interview the different departments, you know, the level of the organizations, the leadership team, the mid-managers, the um, employees, uh, and follow up on some of those survey results because that's where I can truly kind of dig into what the culture is all about. Mm. Um, because if the survey says something, you know, like, well, my supervisor really doesn't pay any attention to me. Mm. So when I'm talking to the employees, you know, I can throw out, you know, kind of general questions and get some responses. And again, if you get employees just talking, you tend to get 
a better response than just, you know, I strongly agree that my supervisor is awesome. Right. So, you know, if you and I were just talking, said, hey, you know what? Um, you mentioned your supervisor. How well do you guys get along? Feel like he supports you? What are some examples? Mm-hmm. And see, just through that conversation, you know, I can write down some of those. And when I talk to the organization, I'll have some concrete, you know, backup to the results of the survey. So um, one of the things that you just touched upon a little bit uh, a little while ago was, you know, surveys are, they're often a measure of employee perceptions, which, you know, as you mentioned, they sometimes line up with reality and sometimes they don't. So what tends to be behind these perception gaps and um, what can safety managers do to address them? Like one thing that you just said was, uh, you know, have conversations to follow up with the surveys, but anything else? Yeah, it's really fun when I go out and I do these surveys and I get the results back and I'll say, for example, um, if you get injured, do you feel like you're being blamed by the organization? Mm. When I look at the survey results from the employees, you know, I strongly agree or agree, you know, the majority of people say that. And then when I ask the leadership team the same question, they say, oh, no, no, I disagree. I strongly disagree. We're, we don't blame them. Right. But that's, that's the big gap in perception and reality. So when I see those, I love to highlight those and especially um, dig those out through the interviews and having conversations with those because the employees will be right up front about that. You know, I'll say, hey, you guys, you know, I've heard from survey that people kind of feel blamed when they get hurt. What do you think of that? And they're like, oh yeah, I remember 20 years ago that some guy got written up and sent home for (laughs) for getting hurt. Uh You know, and then I'll say, well, do, does that happen anymore? Well, not really, but, you know, it used to happen a lot. Right. Um, so there is this gap. Now, what does that say? Well, the leadership, the organization in general, there's a communication gap there. Right. So people, if they don't have the information, they're going to go with what their experience is because their experiences, you know, uh, are more relevant if they don't have any information to go off of. Yeah. So oftentimes they need that conversation with the leadership team to say, look, hey, you know, we want to find out why somebody got hurt. We're not trying to blame people. We want to do some fact finding. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, that can lead to that perception gap. But these surveys often are a good place to identify those gaps in perception and reality. And like I said earlier, even though it is the perception of the employees, it is their reality. So we got to, you know, pay attention to those. Yeah, definitely. So I imagine that in order for these surveys to succeed, uh, employee engagement has has to be a big part of it. So what are some key signs or metrics that uh, indicate high levels of engagement and what actions can safety pros take if they sort of feel that employee engagement is dipping? Yeah, that is that is excellent because without employee engagement, and that's one of the key indicators, not only for safety, but for, you know, organizational health as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the HR field measures employee engagement probably more than safety does, but really an engaged employee is a long-term employee. And churn is a measure that uh, HR professionals use. You know, how, what is your churn rate, meaning how often do employees start and then quit after a short period of time? Mm. Because they, that means that they didn't do their job and, you know, pre-selecting the right types of employees. So that's a metric that they use. 
But I think it's the same thing with safety. If you have a person that is disengaged from the safety perspective, I think that has a bigger impact potentially on the organization than just leaving because if they are not paying attention, if they're doing something that is risky, if they're not following procedures because of this disengagement, it could be detrimental to their health or you know life. Yeah. One of, one of the key signs that I, I see is the participation. If mm. you're going to send out a paper survey or have people to fill out a survey, how many people participate? Mm. So in general, to the good, get a good sampling of the organization, we want 60 to 65% of the organization participating in the, the employee survey. Mm. If you don't get that amount, the results may be a little bit suspect. And I would especially look at which departments are not participating, mm-hmm. um, or <laughs> you can also see which departments are uh, Christmas treeing it. I don't know if you remember that phrase, but <laughs> they just put you know fives for everything or oh. for everything. Uh huh. And that's actually a measure of uh, disengagement. So right. you know, there's certain things that they can look at. And really, what's going to make them feel more engaged is well, if we communicate the value of the survey. Right. Um, so. If, again, if people take this information and they feed it back to the people who want to be heard and they see that the voice is actually getting out there, especially to the senior level leaders, then they're going to be a lot more open and honest. Definitely. Now, if they, yeah, if they feel like, you know, this could come back and haunt me, you know, if there's three people in my department and, you know, one of them is my supervisor, I'm not going to say that I, you know, I think he sucks. <laughs> I'm going to get... I'm going to get all the terrible jobs, right? Right. So sometimes that that can that can be a, an issue. Hmm. But definitely employee engagement, I think, is a key indicator of a strong safety culture. And again, you can also measure other things besides, you know, through a survey. There's a lot of activities, you know, how often do people participate in, I don't know, parties or mm-hmm. do they participate in, you know, charity events? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can measure outside of safety that would indicate an employee's engagement level. Again, I, I really think employee engagement is one of those key things. Definitely. So um, now when I introduced you at the beginning of the program, I mentioned that you are continually uncovering leading indicators. Uh What's that process like for you? Uh, what sorts of data are you looking at, and how do you identify new leading metrics when you're helping clients? So my interpretation of safety culture is a lot more than just survey data. And like I mentioned, I also incorporate interviews. Yep. But also I look for what I call cultural proxies. Mm. Since you can't measure culture directly, you can measure proxies or substitutes for culture. So um, employee engagement, I think, is a cultural proxy, Mm -hmm. Um, how often people go through training. um, And then also there's a lot of safety types of systems that measure cultural proxies, like um, there's a lot of audits and safety investigations and safety inspections or behavioral observations Mm -hmm. that have comments on them. So you can actually take a look at your safety audits and what types of comments people are doing. You can look at uh, your near misses, good catches, uh, safety suggestions, Mm -hmm. and really kind of take a look at 
how detailed these are. So for instance, if you get comments on these safety audits that say, doing a great job, not wearing PPE. Mm. Well, that's not very engaged. However, if someone says, hey, you know what would be really good is if we could get these these gloves that we had like a year ago that had better grip because when I'm using this tool, it slips a lot. I'm afraid that it's going to impact someone's health. So again, there's a lot of different things in the organization that we can start measuring. Not only the quantity, but the quality of these metrics can help get at uh, these cultural proxies. Mm. And really that's part of, um, when I talk about leading indicators, it's not just the, the tangible stuff that we do, like how many observations have your employees done? Mm-hmm. Um, how many risky things have we identified and fixed? You know, those are kind of nuts and bolts, but again, really looking at the quality of those processes can give you great insight into how engaged, for example, mm-hmm. your department is. And if it's not, what is that the, what is that the, the basis of this? You know, how can we go, go about changing it? So really, cultural proxies are combining all of this different data streams into one big <laughs> data link, so to speak. Mm. And what, what we do at our organization is, is take all of those metrics and we have a data scientist on staff that helps pinpoint where those risks may be. Now, risks may be risk for injury, risk for property damage, or risk in culture. Mm. So again, all these things are interrelated. And in today's Internet of Things, where a lot of PPE now is connected to the Internet, Mm. we're going to be able to almost get a real-time measure of safety culture, which is where I, I see things moving. Interesting. So um, we're talking a lot about leading indicators here, and uh, your your presentation at Safety Culture 2019 will involve leading indicators as well. So with this focus on leading indicators, is there a place for lagging indicators in measuring safety culture as well, or are they becoming a bit obsolete in this regard? Well, that's a great question. I, I really think that the majority of organizations out there still focus too much on the lagging indicators. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, injury rate um, or lost time or dart rate. Yep. All those things are what hit the wallets of the organization. Mm. So, I mean, I don't think they will be obsolete, but what I do think is that companies are getting better and better and pretty soon they're going to be so few of those lagging indicators that they're no longer going to be descriptive. Mm. So if you have, you know, a few hundred injuries a year, that's one for an organization. But if you only have one or two, and if you had two last year and one this year, does that mean you improved? I don't know, because that's only measuring three things. That's not a lot to base your whole safety culture assessment on, right? Right. So again, I'm not saying that they're going to become elite or obsolete, what I think they may do is we may start shifting them. Mm. So for example, I know a lot of my clients uh, are no longer focusing so much on lagging indicators, but they are focusing on uh, near misses, first aids, close calls, and those types of things can be seen as lagging depending on when they happen, you know, whether it's upstream or downstream. But 
and then qualifying those. So if somebody has a, a close call, mm-hmm. right, they're working at a elevated position and they slip through a loose board and they almost fall through the ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they catch, they catch themselves. They record that as a near miss. Well, mm-hmm. it may be a little bit more than the near miss. So right. a lot of companies now are focusing on what they call critical risks mm. or SIF potential, which is serious injury and fatality potential. Mm. So they take a look at all of their near misses, close calls, first aids, and they give it a rating. And so it's kind of adding a little bit more depth to those lagging indicators. So again, I don't think they will become obsolete. I think what we're trying to do is focus more on the leading to be more proactive to get rid of the lagging indicators. But again, a lot of the, the stuff that we predict is organizational upset, you know, organizational breakdown, injuries, and, you know, cultural abnormalities. So again, it's, it's how we look at it. I really think that, though, the focusing on leading indicators is going to get an organization to where they need to be. Absolutely. So um, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience about measuring safety culture? Uh, perhaps a little taste of what they might see at your presentation at Safety Culture 2019? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, this conference. It was really excellent last year. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. There was so much information that I learned, so I'm, I'm really excited to hear more, and I'm excited to share some of the research that we've been doing. So. Um, some of the things that I really am exciting or excited about is finding a better way of gathering more cultural data more frequently. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, I think just touching, uh, you know, the cultural assessment once a year, or once every other year, that is so infrequent. You're not going to really get uh, any good information, mm. especially since a lot of these surveys are given out, you know, at the end of the year which is right by Thanksgiving and holidays and right. people are all happy and eating turkey. Everything's <laughs> great. Yep. You know, so what we really need is what I'm ter- terming a, a cultural pulse. Mm. And for example, I don't know if you've ever searched Google and you look up a restaurant and then right below it will ask you a little question like, oh, you were just at this restaurant. Is it wheelchair accessible? Mm. And, you know, depending on how you feel, like, yeah, it is. And then it might ask you another question or that's it. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with uh, the cultural pulse. Um, we have an app that measures safety audits and inspections, but what I'm planning on doing is having a little cultural pulse question pop up. Mm. You know, has your supervisor mentioned safety to you today? Yes, no. Right. Mm. Um, now, what we would do instead of sampling everybody once, we would sample a handful of people a week, and then over the months, we would sample everybody, but not everybody would be doing it all the time. Mm. And through the analytics in the background, we can actually identify some areas that kind of are starting to stick out, what I would call cultural hotspots. Mm. So if we start seeing a response over in this particular area, we might ask another person a similar question, and if we start seeing that response, you know, we might alert the supervisor saying, hey, you've got a cultural issue here. Um, you might want to pay attention to it. Mm. So we get a real-time view of culture. Or if you're an academic listening to this, a real-time climate pulse. How about that? Okay. 
Great. So, so you're getting more data, but without really burdening the employees as much. You're, you're getting, you know, a, a few employees a little bit at a time rather than everybody all at once. Exactly. I mean, how many people love to sit down and answer a hundred questions? Right? That's, <laughs> Not many. I don't think. People are like, oh, I'm really tired of this. <laughs> so what they do is they try to make them shorter, but you really sacrifice the fidelity of the survey by not asking different dimensions. Mm. So with this cultural pulse idea, we're going to better be able to um, pinpoint uh, the hotspots, like I said. So at the safety culture uh, conference, I'm going to set up a little booth and I'm going to have a little, I'm going to have some questions on what, you know, people would like to see out of it, what are some uh, cultural ideas that they have um, when it comes to trying to identify the different constructs of safety culture, what really is important, like, you know, is employee engagement important, uh, leadership engagement, uh, you know, participation. So I'm going to be trying to answer some of my own questions and doing a little research at the culture conference. So again, I'm kind of excited to get there and, and share what I have and, and have conversations with everybody. Great group of people. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. And we're all really excited and uh, really looking forward to learning more about uh, your research at Safety Culture 2019. So thank you again, Chuck, for joining us today on EHS on Tap. Hey, no problem. I look forward to seeing everybody. Yes, absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you want to gain more insight from Chuck and other top safety culture experts, register for Safety Culture 2019, taking place September 18th through 20th in Denver, Colorado. Be sure to save your seat as soon as possible. So for more details on the event, visit live.blr.com, or you can click on the links and banners for Safety Culture 2019 that appear on this episode's EHS Daily Advisor webpage. As always, please be sure to keep an eye out for new episodes of EHS on Tap, and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor to stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest and best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap. <laughs>